0: This is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. All right, taking ground, are you guys ready for a brand new series? Suit up was amazing, though, wasn't it? We, uh, I think we all learned a ton. I've heard from so many of you how much that series meant to you. But surprisingly, eight weeks is not enough to learn all there is to know about spiritual warfare. Can you believe that? (laughs) Me too. There is more. Uh, Before we get into today, though, I do want to mention we have so many kids up at youth convention this weekend. Uh, If you have one of the kids up there or, you know, Aaron and Isaiah are up there uh, and Autumn and a bunch of other adults as well. But please be praying for them. They come back tomorrow, just over the next 24 hours or so. Pray that they just encounter God there. These events, there are our Assemblies of God district events are so powerful. I grew up going to them and just can be so powerful that there are these moments in a student's life. Or God gets a hold of them. And it's, I don't know what it is about being away and just the focus in on God. I think they do like four services throughout the weekend, just focused in on God. So please just be praying for them. Will you do that with me? And pray for traveling mercies on the way home too, that everybody's safe. All right. So we spent the last eight weeks really focused in on our responsibility for personal protection and armor right? We hit hard, all the armor, the, the armor of God that must be on from Ephesians 6, how to put it on, that we need to remi- remain obedient and under the protection and righteousness of Jesus at all times, but putting in the work to train and remain on guard, right? All, they're all personal responsibilities of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Bible reading, prayer, knowing your authority in Christ, how to protect yourself If you need any refreshers of that, go back, start at the beginning, and listen to the "Suit Up" series. It's on the podcast. It's on the YouTube. Right, it's all there. But what we're moving into now, it is sort of a continuation of the spiritual warfare message. But we're moving into a more corporate view, meaning it's not individual anymore. We know what we should be doing individually, right? We're moving into what do we do as a church together? We focused on us. Now, how do we move forward together as the body of Christ? Okay, that is what taking ground is all about. Because as we said in the last series a few times, we hold our ground as individuals. That's the most important spiritual warfare individual thing is to hold your ground. The Bible says over and over, stand firm, right? Hold your ground because the enemy is a thief. Satan is a thief. He wants to steal from you, steal what you have, kill you, or destroy you. And so it's our job as individuals to hold that ground, to maintain what we have in Christ, what we have been given in Christ, not let him steal our joy, our our peace, our freedoms, right? So we hold our ground as individuals. It's all defensive, pretty much. But we move forward, we push forward, (laughs) As the body of Christ together as a church. And so how do we push back on the enemy's agenda for our cities, for our neighborhoods, for our communities? How do we defeat him once and all, once and for all in this world? First of all, only Jesus can do that. Right? Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus, only God can defeat Satan once and for all. He will do that one day. He is coming back. He will do that one day. For now, Satan is loose upon humanity and the world, and I believe there are reasons for that right now. God is using this time of evil, the Bible calls it, in the world for a bigger purpose that we can't see or quite understand all of right now, right? However, we take ground from the enemy little by little and forever in one main huge way. And that is winning souls for Christ. What we do here as a church, winning souls for Christ, is a forever thing. We're affecting eternity. Every single one we can pluck back from the enemy is a forever thing. Right? The most powerful spiritual warfare you can do from an offensive perspective is winning souls for Christ. Call it evangelism, call it witnessing, telling people about Jesus, whatever you want to call it. If you see a friend or family member saved from hell and won back to the heart of the Father by calling on the name of Jesus, that's called winning. That is winning to a believer, right? That is taking back what is rightfully God's, taking ground from the enemy. That's what this series is all about. And we're going to talk about how we do that well together over the next month or so of this series, but what I want us to see first, before we really get into the nitty-gritty practical evangelism stuff, I want us to see that Jesus set up the church to take ground together, that we are powerful together, we are gathered here in his name, and what does that look like, right? Matthew 16, verse 18 says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church You know, this is one of the first times in the Bible that the word church is used in this context. They had temples, they had tabernacles, they gathered as Jews, right? But the word church wasn't used until Jesus used it. He invented the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What version do I have up here? It's a little different, isn't it? Upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Jesus builds his church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The power, meaning the power and authority of hell, cannot overcome it. Jesus gave us the keys to the spiritual realm. There has been a lot of debate about what this verse, verse 19 actually means right but what we see in scripture and what the Jews of the time would have grown up knowing is they would have been taught this growing up so his audience wouldn't have needed to know this but we're talking about existence from a biblical perspective how do we see existence from the bible's point of view there are actually three spheres right? Three planes of existence, if you will. And that is ours, the one we can see, feel, and touch, right? Humans, existence, our reality. Then there's the demonic and the angelic sphere, which we've spent eight weeks talking about. This world around us that we cannot see. We're fighting against principalities and powers, right? Demonic and angelic. And then there's God's sphere. So usually when the Bible is talking about the heavens, It talks about the heavens a lot. It's talking about either the demonic and angelic sphere, you know, the spiritual realm all around us that we cannot see, or it's talking about heaven, God's sphere, okay? And we sort of have to discern and determine which it's talking about in some context. In this verse, we believe it's talking about the demonic and angelic sphere. That is, what we loose and bind here on earth is loosed and bound In that spiritual realm as well, meaning we can bind Jesus, we can can bind Jesus, we can bind demons in Jesus' name, right? We have been given that authority by Jesus temporarily. Important distinction, which we'll go into a little bit more later in this series. But we can also loose the spirit of God in Jesus' name. I have been praying for months and months now. Every Sunday morning that this house, this church, our church would be a house of hope, a house of freedom, a house of peace. I specifically use those three words every Sunday morning, hope, peace and freedom. When I'm praying in that way, I am loosing those spirits in this house. Right. And I have the authority to do so because this is our church loosing God's spirit into this house. I want this to be a house of hope. When you come in the doors, you feel Hope, you feel free, feel the love of Jesus, right? I'm setting the groundwork for God to move. We also find spirits of chaos or confusion or distraction, those three words specifically, every Sunday morning. As I'm walking in the building, I'm saying it, and when we're praying in huddle, I'm saying it. We're binding spirits of chaos, confusion, or distraction because we have had Sundays of chaos, <laughs> confusion, and distraction in this house that I believe are spiritual, and they're only here to distract us from the message of Jesus Christ. This should be a peaceful environment where everything is focused on the message of the gospel. Every word we sing, every word we say from the stage should be Jesus-focused. And when there's distractions going on, <laughs> there's a little chaos. There's We even pray over the microphones and the sound system stuff, right? So that every, there's no distractions. Everything is focused on Jesus. The crazy thing is this does work. In the past year, we have had very few chaotic spirits enter into this house on a Sunday morning. There have been a few. Remarkably, you guys don't usually see them because they come before or after service. You think that's a coincidence? Or is it because I've been binding and loosing on Sunday mornings, protecting this space so that it is Jesus-focused, right? One time, uh, I think it was Greta, was dealing with a demonic spirit in the parking lot after a Sunday morning. That wasn't too long ago, was it, Greta? Are you in here? She's in the lobby, I think. (laughs) Uh, There was another time I had to drive a lady to the ER before a service. Um... Everyone was praying like crazy because she was chaos in a person. I mean, just absolute. Was she she had come in at like 7:15 a.m. The band gets here at seven. This woman was down here, like 7:15 a.m., trying to get on the stage, talking to herself. She kept gathering up. Um, there were like tissues and and Bibles down. She had all this handful <laughs> handful of stuff she was collecting as she went, talking crazy, wandering around the building. She had parked. The, parked is a loose term. She had driven her vehicle in the parking lot, parked off cattywampus. It was still running, I found out, like three hours later. All the windows were down. There was a door open. It was just chaos, right? Absolute chaos. Obviously, demonic came to mess us up, but it didn't happen in service because we bind and loose, right? Bind the spirits of chaos and confusion. We loose the spirit of peace in this house, it's important that we're doing that. These are people, we're talking about people, okay? But just the look in their eye and the chaos coming from their lips, it's pretty obvious that it was more. They didn't come to be delivered. Sometimes the enemy just wants to distract. We didn't allow that to happen because we bind spirits of, of chaos, confusion, distraction, and we lose peace in this house, meaning we temporarily limit their activity in this basement for peace, freedom, and hope. But we can do more. right? We can do so much more in the spiritual realm. And it's my hope that throughout this series, we learn to do that together. I'm even praying right now that a new team would rise up out of this series and begin to pray, become intercessors for our community, our church, and our area. I think this is an area of ministry that... We've been missing a little lately. We used to gather and pray before COVID, uh, and we haven't been doing that lately. But I want to get back there that God actually gave me this picture of what he's been up to these past few years within us as a church. He showed me that we have been for a few years now shoring up some theology, like laying our groundwork about what we believe about God, what he can do, what he says he's going to do, and also who we are right? We've been reworking and and tilling the ground these past few years, and, and it's been good and necessary. We have become a vibrant, passionate, selfless church like God has called us to be. That is now our identity. I believe I've just talked to somebody a little bit new around here this morning who said that they absolutely feel welcome and loved in this place, right? We are vibrant, passionate, and selfless, but that's not all he's called us That's who he's called us to be. It's not all he's called us to do. Do you remember the second part of that mission statement? We're a vibrant, passionate, selfless church who aims to change the world with the message of the gospel, right? There is a second part to it. We need to change the world with the message of the gospel. It's what we've been called to do. I believe this series is going to lay the groundwork for that. It all starts... With how we see ourselves as a church, yeah. A number of years ago, I showed a video in here <laughs> about ships, likening the church to ships. Does anyone remember? There, a lot of people think of the church like a cruise ship. Do I like the music in the ballroom? Uh, do I like the captain and the crew? Is the service good? Right? Are my needs met? Is the cruise pleasant? Is it comfortable? When really, a better metaphor for the church is made with a battleship. Is the ship on a clear and noble mission? Right? Does the captain submit to a higher authority? Are crew members equipped to succeed? Are they able to contribute in significant ways? Are they honored for their efforts? Is there something being accomplished here? It's not so much about our comfortability as it is our effectiveness. We have to see ourselves not as a body to be served, but as an army to be equipped. We've just been talking about our armor and our training and the fact that we are soldiers to some degree for the past eight weeks, right? Now, how do we move forward together as an army? A whole bunch of soldiers all doing their own thing isn't that effective in a battle, right? But together we can accomplish so much more. So we're going to talk about some of the specifics of how we take ground as a church over the next few weeks. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare as a church and prayer, sharing the gospel, which honestly we'll spend a number of weeks on because more than anything, just going to say it again, the best and by far most powerful way to fight and win spiritually is by spreading the gospel. By winning individual souls to Christ. There is no better spiritual warfare than that. I think sometimes people who get very into deliverance get off because they forget that focus. I love what Mike and Jody said last week when when I asked you uh, to to define deliverance ministry, you said, it's really just Jesus ministry, (laughs) right? It's just Jesus ministry. Sometimes we get too focused on the deliverance experience or the worship experience or the um, prophetic experience or whatever it is. The gifts that God gives us that we forget there's a bigger picture here. It's about winning souls to Christ. That is the mission. It's everything. So we're going to get there. (laughs) This has all been intro to taking ground, okay? But today in this introductory sermon... I want to set up a framework for how we see ourselves as the church. We need to see ourselves as Jesus saw the church, as the early church saw themselves in order to move forward as a group, as an army, strategically, not just lone wolves off fighting by ourselves. And so for this, we're still in the book of Ephesians. Been here for weeks, right? But we're going to Ephesians 2 this time. And I want to read a pretty good portion of of this passage to you, starting in verse 1, which is actually titled, Made Alive in Christ. (laughs) Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live this way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. God is so rich in mercy. Don't you love the but-gods in Scripture? But God. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace. Remember I said I think there's a point to the time of evil right now? There's a hint here. Just a hint, It's not the whole picture. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew. God is always doing a new thing. Amen? created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts which describes religion to a T. Only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Why did Paul spend the first 12 verses at the beginning of this letter to the church of Ephesus talking about the past? Why? Why did he sort of beat us up with who we used to be and how dead we were in our sin and and we used to be outsiders? Why does he say, I used to be an outsider? The gospel story, the church's story, is nothing without this part. We often want to skip over this part. We don't want to talk about who we used to be. We have trouble um, giving our testimony for this reason because it's still hard for us to talk about everything that God has brought us out of. The problem is the gospel carries such amazing power because of this part. God has delivered us from so much. As an outsider, I have no purpose as an outsider, I only have deception, no truth. As an outsider, I'm riddled with selfishness and sin. I have no promises from God. I just have to deal with the hand that I was dealt, born into sin, right? All of the inclinations to sin. Uh, we've talked about alcoholism and sexual sin a lot lately. Um, but there's so much more than that. We're stuck in it before, There is no hope. This is why I think Paul is reminding the church of Ephesus who they were. And don't get into thinking that this is because of you. Jesus did this, right? We all used to be outsiders. I used to be that person, whatever that person was. For me, my personal testimony, I was so fearful, riddled with fear. I could never have done this what I'm currently doing today before Jesus got a hold of me as a kid impossible wouldn't have happened in fact nothing good about me is me it's all Jesus (laughs) all the bad things about me every time I mess up, make a mistake, fall into sin whatever, those are me that's all me all the good things about me are Jesus I can't claim any of them walked with Him for so long now, so many of my developing years I guess, that everything good about me is Him. I can't boast about any of it. I used to be this fearful person. Scared of the world. But Jesus. Right? But Jesus. There is no power in the gospel message. No, there is power, but it lacks um. Without this part, we have to remember who we used to be without Him. Uh, it's because of our overall mission. I don't believe you can effectively communicate the gospel without keeping a measure of this in your mind, because there is no room for pride in the gospel. None. The only one we should be bragging on is Christ. There is nothing I can do to earn the love of the Father or lose the love of the Father. It has been given to me as a follower of Jesus. I don't deserve it, and neither do you. If you don't remember that, you won't be effective at this mission Jesus has given us. You used to be an outsider, but verse 13, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separates us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was also put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now, you Gentiles, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. So I used to be an outsider, but now I am united. Right? I am united. There is so much power in this message for us as the church. I hear Christians a lot saying things like, I believe in Jesus, but his church, I don't know. Churches are, don't get me wrong, I think most churches are crazy a little bit, right? There's a whole lot of religion that has crept in to lots of pieces of Christianity throughout the world it's not healthy, but as long as we remain focused on Christ, that is Paul's whole point here, we are united with him. Now, unity is not the same as uniformity. Different kinds of people and gifts should exist within the church, but we are all empowered by one spirit. Paul is actually speaking to a culture here in the city of Ephesus that is very polytheistic in culture, meaning they worshipped all the gods. (laughs) It was sort of the epicenter. Ephesus was a huge city for the time. It was the epicenter of worship for most of the Greek and Roman gods. They had temples everywhere. All kinds of crazy worship going on. Really toxic stuff. Right, But he's saying one spirit. We are united together. One God, one body, one spirit, one faith, one baptism. We are united. You don't need a little bit of this and that. We just got done talking about all the different things that Christians take stuff from. Right, A little bit of crystals, a little bit of tarot cards, a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of Jesus. We'll just add it all in together, right? No. One. Just Jesus. You don't need a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Be all in. Stop acting like an outsider. You're in now. You don't have to be the same as everyone else. In fact, if we had a, a church full of Candace's, we'd be in trouble. <laughs> right? <laughs> if we had a church full of errands, we'd be in trouble too. We need all of us. Together. We have to, But we have to be united. So not uniformity unity. Okay. There are a few ways that we allow disunification in the body of Christ, how we cut ourselves off from the body of Christ, even while being in it. And this is important because let me tell you, the world has way less of a problem with Jesus than it does his church. A lot of Non-believers would say, you know, I don't have a problem with Jesus' teachings. Although, if they really looked at them, they probably would find some problem somewhere. But most of them are, in general, Jesus was a good guy. He was a prophet. He spoke the truth. If we all lived by his teachings of love and forgiveness, we'd be better off, right? What they have a problem with is the church, how they've been treated by the church. And there's whole movements right now going on of, of exposing the church's toxicity It's not altogether bad. We need some of that because in a lot of cases, we need to start acting like the church, unified in Christ Jesus, not in our own personal religious preferences. But we need the church to start acting like the church, Jesus' church. Otherwise, what are our evangelism efforts even good for? Right? Well, why should I preach a perfect Jesus to someone claiming all his goodness and then bring them to a super toxic group of people that's just gonna beat them up? <laughs> right? It's gonna undo the message of the gospel for them to walk into a church full of people that are gossiping and backbiting and blaming and shaming and, right? It's not gonna work. So the church will never be perfect. Let me just make that clear. It's not perfect. Jesus's church is not perfect or we wouldn't have most of the New Testament. Okay? <laughs> there have been issues since the beginning. It just it's imperfect just by the nature of there being humans in it. okay? But we can begin to act like the unified insiders that we now are by avoiding three things that I want to call out today specifically. Number one is secrecy. Secrecy. Bible says, confess your faults to one another. It doesn't actually say confess them to God. Confess your faults to one another. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. By keeping your faults, your mistakes, your mess-ups to yourself by not confessing sin and selfishness, by choosing to be scared of that, you're acting like an outsider still. Stop thinking like everyone is going to think differently of you and you need to hide everything. No. Trust us as the body of Christ and confess it act like you're united. Believe me, the rest of us know we've got our own stuff going on because we should all be keeping this message of Ephesians 2 in the back of our minds. I used to be an outsider too. I used to be a different person without Jesus. I get it. We all mess up, right? You go to God for forgiveness, but you go to God's people for healing is what James 5:16 is saying. You go to God for forgiveness. He can give forgiveness but you go to his people for healing. Whenever I talk about breaking secrecy, I, there's a, a quote, and I forget who said it, but um, one of the pastors I listen to a lot always says, you're always going to be as sick as your secrets. Meaning the more you keep it to yourself, the more it is destroying you. You don't have to tell everybody. In fact, don't tell everybody but you have to tell somebody, somebody that's trustworthy, someone that's further along in their faith than you, someone that can encourage you and tell you it's all going to be okay and also maybe give you a little tough love and say, stop doing it though, right? (laughs) Knock it off. Get obedient. Get right. We can do this together. There is so much power in breaking secrecy. Satan and his minions like to hide in the shadows. They prefer to hide in the secrets. They don't like to be exposed. Expose them in a safe place, surrounded by believers and people who can encourage you and love you, and you will have that evil on the run. Outsiders keep secrets from each other. But now we are united. Amen? Stubbornness is the second one. When we allow sin to continue. Some of us allow sin in our lives, not out of secrecy, but out of stubbornness. We know we have a pride problem. Don't mind telling you all about it. <laughs> I know a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm just a cocky son of a gun. It's how it's always been. I don't know how to change it. They don't mind telling you about it. That's just the way it is. Or we know we have a lust problem. We know we have a greed problem. We, we know we put things above God all the time. We're just unwilling to do anything about it. We're not sick enough yet. It's working for now. We're stubborn. but There are Bible verses that are so scary about stubbornness. Listen to just some of these. Proverbs 29.1 says, Whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. Does that scare anybody else a little bit? Let me read it again. Whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. (laughs) It's going to come quick and you're not going to see it coming. Psalm 81, 11 says, But my people did not listen to my voice. This is God speaking. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. (sighs) I don't like the idea of being out of the hand of God just because I wouldn't listen to him, right? He gave. I don't want him to give me what I want necessarily all of the time. I did a sermon a long time ago called, Be Careful What You Pray For. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, because sometimes God will give it to you. You're stubborn enough in asking, and you don't submit yourself to his will. He will give it to you, the things that you want. And you don't always want that. Romans 2.5 says, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Scary verses about stubbornness, guys. In another place, uh, it says stubbornness is like the sin of witchcraft because it's like manipulation. It's the same thing. I'm standing here, and I will not be moved. Anybody know the South Going Zax story? Dr. Seuss? No? It's like my favorite one. The south Going Zax and the North Going Zax. they meet, and neither of them will move in any direction but north or south, and so they're just staring at each other for the rest of eternity. You don't know this story? <laughs> Stubbornness is a... The Bible has nothing good to say about it. And it is not how a unified church behaves. And let me tell you, the religious spirit is stubborn. There are churches all across America today who have gotten stuck in some stubbornness, and it has been there so long, they're no longer effective in the world at all. Not winning anybody to Christ anymore because they're stubbornly stuck in something. We, F.E. Church, will not behave that way. We're not doing it. We're going to remain teachable. We're going to remain open, warm-hearted, vibrant, right? Stubbornness is dull, lifeless, and manipulative. It's not who we are. Outsiders are stubborn. A unified church is humble and teachable. Right? Amen. Stop being severed and just do what God is calling you to do. There's a word for somebody here today. Maybe multiple somebody's. I think, actually. There's something you've been putting off for a long time. God's telling you to do it. Do it. This may be your last chance of God reminding you. Do it today. Okay? Word for somebody? Take it in. Sorry, take it in. Selfishness is number three. Selfishness. Being here but not contributing. The whole body, the whole church of Christ suffers if we're not all using our gifts and talents to serve each other. Meaning, get over yourself. Right? As an outsider, you worried only about yourself. As an insider, we treat others the way we want to be treated. Right? We love each other. We lay down our lives for each other. We see others as better than ourselves. We serve in kids ministry once a month so that other parents can learn and grow in service. We give back to the youth group. We serve on the prayer team. We Study stuff in the Bible that can be used to teach someone else, right? We, we give up one night a month to drag ourselves at, in to church and pray out loud in front of other people. I know it's scary for this new prayer team Candace wants to start, <laughs> right? But we do things for each other. This is what it means to be an insider now. We serve each other. Didn't we just hear Mike's testimony, his video last week? about how he was a selfish Christian just two years ago, right? And then came to church thinking it was all about him. That story is up on YouTube now, by the way, on the Freedom Valley YouTube page. Go and listen to it again. But now, after getting himself free, by studying and really living for Jesus for the past few years and stepping out in faith, he and his wife have seen over, it's got to be like 75 now, just in the past two weeks. (laughs) I've been saying over 50, but... Do you have a better number? I bet. 7 It's got to be over 70 by now. Deliverances. People get free and delivered. 70 people are running around out there free now because these guys listened. (laughs) What if he had chosen to stay selfish instead? Right? How many of those people would still be languishing in darkness today? The church needs you. It needs you, what you're called to do, your specific gifts and talents. You're not an outsider anymore. You don't get to be selfish anymore. <laughs> you are united. Did I drive that home? Okay, verse 20. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple For the Lord, through him, you Gentiles, are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Together, we are his house. We are his house. Right? Here's why all of this is important. In the Old Testament, the temple of God was a beacon. It was always meant to be this one place in all the world where you could come and meet with the one true God, right? The, the Jewish people were meant to be a city on a hill, a lighthouse for the rest of the world, a holy and blessed people showing outsiders that there's a better way, a better way to live, a better way to um, be blessed and live abundantly. That was the whole purpose. Israel failed. Over and over and over. That is the story of the Old Testament. But now we have Jesus making all of us his temple. So it's not here that's the power. This 3185 York Road, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. It's this, um, horribly hard floor and cold city, <laughs> right? It's not this location that holds the power. You do by carrying his spirit within you. You are his house. You know that feeling you get when you enter a new house for the first time? Somebody invites you over for dinner, you've never been in their house before you walk in. You know how you can like immediately tell if you're going to click with the people living there? Just by the things in their house? Right? Like their little knickknacks, where they put their shoes. (laughs) It's all representative of the people living there. There are characteristics to a house, right? Is it peaceful? Or chaotic? Is it loud or quiet? Is it neat or cluttered? You're all like thinking about your houses, thinking everybody's judging it right now. Uh, <laughs> it's not the point. The point is we are the knickknacks in the house of God, right? We are his temple. So he now resides in us. And when we come across people, they can immediately make assumptions about God because of us and our behavior. <laughs> Right? The, the, bottom is, the bottom line here is we are his house, all of us. Not me, not Aaron, not Isaiah, not the music or the preaching or the pastoral title. And by the way, I cannot and will not do it alone. I'm not doing ministry <laughs> alone. I usually try, because that's my personality, but I will only kill myself, my family, and the church trying to do it all myself and God has called me to my family first, by the way, right? The relationship priority structure in my life is God, my husband, my kids, and then the church. I will not sacrifice them for you. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry, really. Because if my relationship with them doesn't work, nothing works. That's why, actually, in in the Word, when it calls elders and deacons to another higher authority and position within the church your family has to work if it doesn't you don't need to be in those positions the church was actually built to mirror family if the family unit breaks down so does the church and if i try to do it all my own i will only stunt the growth of the church anyway we are his house not me not this building We. We care for each other. We serve each other. We check in on each other. We encourage each other. Don't look to me to do it all. I cannot and I won't. (laughs) We need each other. Jesus created a new temple, meaning a new humanity with Jesus at the head. And there are characteristics of his house. We love each other. The Bible says they will know you by your fruit. They will know Jesus by your love for each other. We can judge each other by our fruit. So we sing together. We're thankful for everything. We're humble. So characteristics of his house. All of these things add up to our purpose. Our identity is to be vibrant, passionate, and selfless so that we can change the world with the message of the gospel. But it can't stop at vibrant, passionate, and selfless. It doesn't work that way. The church without a mission is not the church. We have to get over ourselves. We have to die to our sinful and selfish nature and walk in unity so that we can preach the gospel, remembering who we once were and what God has brought us into. We did a series, I think, last January. Maybe it was the January of 2020, where we've got souls to save. Do you remember that series? Souls to save. We've got ground to take. There is more out there dying in sin, more people out there without a place to call their own in the world, outsiders, unable to see their way out of the darkness and languishing in it. We have to get over ourselves, over our, our selfishness, our stubbornness, and our secrecy because we've got souls to save. We've got ground to take. I have to begin to understand who I am, that I am now unified in Christ because I've got a mission on planet Earth,
1: and I cannot
0: accomplish it alone. I have to understand the gospel because I've got ground to take. My purpose in life is bigger than just my freedom. Me getting free from fear is causing and affecting so many other people to be free from fear. I mean, I could just talk about my own family and how I've seen my kids grow up without that fear. Don't get me wrong, it creeps in sometimes. But you know, We use Jesus and the principles we know from the Bible to help them beat it. They're 11 and 8 years old, and they are brave kids. <laughs> so proud of that. Because of what I... The fear that I grew up in. But it's not just me. My freedom means I get to share it with other people, how to get free, how to live for Jesus and allow him to push you and stretch you and use you to disciple other people, right? There may be a thousand others out there who are drawn to my light or are drawn to yours. We have to get this right because it's bigger than us. The gospel was meant for more than just Candace Pringle. I got a hold of it so that I can give it to others. I was an outsider, now I am united. We are his house, his army, right? We as a people must begin to act like his house because we've gotta start taking ground, guys. Right? We do that as a group. Over the next few weeks, we're gonna start figuring this out. The first step, I believe, is to start adopting a phrase that I heard in a Mission SOS teaching this week. And that is pray and preach. Pray and preach. This is the offensive strategy of, I I don't know if it's the best, but it's my favorite missions and evangelism organization in the world, Mission SOS. Pray and preach. This was actually the saying of Reinhard Bonnke, who is a legend in Africa for seeing hundreds of thousands of people come to know Jesus. Johannes was his Sort of or Reinhardt was Johannes' mentor, sort of father figure to him. And so now they they say the same. In Africa they reach the lost, they heal the sick, they cast out demons. So the two most important spiritual warfare tactics for taking ground for the church, praying and preaching. Praying and preaching. But we don't need people to go out and march around businesses and cast stuff out and call people awful, evil names. And we need people praying and we need people preaching the gospel, which is the good news, by the way. The good news. Praying and preaching. And by preaching, I do not mean just on the stage with a microphone. I mean, we need people out there in the streets, in their workplaces, in their communities, in their families and friends groups, Ministering the gospel. It cannot all just be me preaching. It's not enough. It's not nearly enough. I, we do this a lot though. We, we say, come to my church and hear my pastor. Come to this event or that event. You minister the gospel. You take it out into your friends and neighbors. There are people that you can reach that I never will. You take ground in your neighborhoods, in your communities, to to the people you see and talk to every single week. I can't do that because I'm not you. Your story with Jesus is so powerful because it's yours. You can tell other people's testimonies and stories all day long. We've got so many powerful ones sitting right here in the room, but tell your story. What has Jesus brought you out of? Powerful because you're the one telling it. (laughs) It means something to you, right? And this all starts with prayer. We need people right now who are gifted in prayer, intercessory prayer, which is praying for others. It's targeted spiritual warfare. We need people who are trained to do this, who know how to declare in faith, who aren't ashamed to go out into their communities and talk to people and pray. And before we do anything else today, any other responses, I know there are some people already in this room who are like, oh, That's me, right? I'm praying. I know how to pray. Tom Landis, for example, uh, has come in. I don't, you probably did this a lot longer than I was kids pastor. Um, But since 14 years ago when I became kids pastor, he would come in before church every Sunday morning and go through all the rooms in the back, all the kids' ministry rooms, and just pray. Sometimes he goes around and touches every blue seat in here and just pray. I don't know if anyone ever asked you to do that, but it's been at least 14 years that I've seen you do it, probably a lot longer. It, that's an intercessor's heart. Like Coming in early just to pray. You know, I know there are people in this room, I'm about, over the next couple of months, we're going to build a brand new team for just this. It's different than the prayer team that you see down here in the front. Um, and it's just praying for our church, praying for our area, our community, what God wants to do here. This team will meet once a month. They will pray. There will be targeted prayer goals and missions to go out on in our local communities. Lots of training uh, because there is a way to do this badly. All right, we're going to talk about the prayer portion of this, I think, next week. Uh, But some of you are already feeling drawn to that. That's something that you can do and maybe already do. I have a few of you in mind. I know you're gifted for this, so we're actually going to put a number up on the screen. If you are interested in this, you know right now, I don't have to pray about it, I don't have to think about it, I want to do this. Text the intercessor team and your full name to the usher, to the um, number on the screen. You can also, if you don't have a phone in here with you, scribble your name down on, just pull out a fresh connection card on a seat around you, write your name on it, write intercessors team, hand it to an usher on the way out, maybe guy. If he's sitting back there, can hold a bucket at the end and just collect those. We're going to talk more about this in the next coming weeks, but I know there are people who are already ready for this. What we need to do today is to commit to get on the same page, to be unified, to stop seeing ourselves as outsiders and start to act like the body and the army of Christ on a mission together. That is the first step to taking ground from the enemy. The church, the the base, the hub for all other ministry must be strong and united. When we are, we're a powerful force in the supernatural. Not that we're all the same. We're all different, but we come together under one purpose. In fact, I was just saying this week how beautiful it is that God is bringing out so many different talents and specialized ministries and anointings within our church right now. We've been talking about deliverance. We've got grief share going on, right? That's a specialized ministry within the church. We've got people anointed to pray for healing and all these different things. We, we all come together as the body of Christ and we minister right where people are. Whatever it is they're struggling with. Maybe today there's some secrecy going on in your life. There's some stubbornness. There's some selfishness you've been displaying within the body of Christ and how you interact with it. And today, you need to find somebody to confess it to, somebody to apologize to, something to sign up for. You need to get involved, get invested, talk to somebody. You need to start acting like an insider. Act like you are a united Now, with the body of Christ, stop counting yourself out. Does that make sense? Let's pray for that today. Father, we thank you. We praise you for your word. Thank you that it's so useful to teach us, to correct us, to guide us, to lead us into all truth. Father, today I pray that you would just release a spirit of openness within our church that we wouldn't hide things away from each other and and stay sick in our secrets, that we would trust each other deeply, that we would uh, be humble in our dealings with each other, loving each other. No judgment, no shame, no fear. Just release the spirit of openness in the room today. Father, I I ask that you would... Humble us. Help us keep our hearts soft and humble towards you and towards each other. We wouldn't walk around with this stubbornness hanging over us that how dare you make me change. This is just how I've always been but that we would just be ready and willing, teachable and humble. That we would learn from each other no matter what stage of, of the faith that we're in, we'd be willing to teach each other and learn from each other. Father, I pray for the selfishness in the room that you would just break that spirit over our lives. We would begin to truly submit ourselves to the selflessness like Jesus did. Serving each other. Truly laying down our lives for each other. God, I pray that this church, this body of Christ would be so known for these things, for our vibrancy, for our passion, for our selflessness. that <laughs> You would just begin to make us a beacon in the community, that people would just be drawn in. They'd be driving by on Route 30 and feel like, I just something is telling me, I just got to go there. Release that spirit in us, Father. That the people in our lives would start to to look at us and say, something is different about you. What is it? And we would be courageous enough and open enough to say, you know what? Jesus, Jesus is it. He's changed me from the inside out and I will never be the same. Heads bowed and eyes closed today. Maybe today you're saying, I, I am an outsider still. I've never committed my life to Jesus. Maybe I'm here visiting or I've been around for a while, but I've never actually said, I'm in. I'm in. I, I want this Jesus life. I want to be obedient to him and learn what that means. I want the forgiveness and love of my Heavenly Father. I'm I'm in for all that that entails. If that's you and you're sitting in the room, would you just raise your hand right where you're
1: sitting? The, the shield of faith, the of truth.
0: Jesus, I'm in. I'm in to following him. If you're watching online, you can text the number on the screen or type I'm in in the comments. We'd love to help you with that decision. Anyone like that here today, I'm in. I don't want to be an outsider anymore. Maybe today you're saying, you know what, I have been an insider for a while. But I can see today that I'm not acting like it currently. Holding in my secrets, afraid everyone's going to judge me. I've been so stubborn. God's been telling me to do something for a while now, and I've just been stubborn and stuck in it. Maybe it's just selfishness. I, I can see now that I've been showing up to church saying, what is it giving me, What can it do for me rather than how do I serve? How do I give back? If that's you and any one of those apply to you. Just raise your, I just want to pray over you today. Raise your hand up high. That's me and I know I need to make some changes. Act like an insider. Father, I thank you for every single hand raised today. God, help us, guide us in this mission of taking ground for you, help us be more effective than ever at preaching the gospel, at ministering the gospel, at living it out in our daily lives, that we would be more courageous and bold than ever, that we would begin to be so obedient that our lives just shine, we wouldn't hide that light anymore each and every one of us would be gospel carriers to our world help us take ground in Jesus name amen
1: amen can we give Pastor Candace some love it's a good word it's going to be a good series as we take ground there was an older gentleman that had been part of the congregation for years. Disappeared for a while. Pastor went to see him, knocked on the door. Older gentleman let him in. Pastor said not a word. Walked to the there was a roaring fire was in the middle of winter. Walked over to the fireplace, sat down in front of the, on, on a chair that was near the fire, and just sat there for a long time. Finally, he got up. He took the tongs and he took a an ember that was in the middle of the fire that was hot and he pulled it and he stuck it at the edge of the fireplace and he sat back down and that ember was hot could have lit a fire but as it was at the edge of the fireplace it just began to get brown and went out so he took a tong and picked it up put it back in the middle of the roaring fire In a short time, that ember was hot. He got up and he left. Never said a word. Next Sunday, that older gentleman came to church. Because he realized he was that ember. When you're in the middle of the fire, when you're in the middle of Jesus, when you're in the middle of the body, when you're in the middle of home group, when you're in the middle of friends who are worshiping Jesus, it can be hot. But if Satan can get you out to the edge of the the fireplace, if you will, your fire can go out. Doesn't mean that you're not saved. So are you hot? Are you in the house? Are we going to take ground as the body? Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Twenty-second takeaway. I think. Yep, Matt's back there. Please, if there's something in your heart that God shared with you, please, we want to hear it. Next coming this coming Friday. The uh, fire. Yeah, I can't even say it. Talked all about fire. I'm done. <laughs> Let's pray. Uh, I'm sorry. She um, could bring it up. I want to speak this word over you, attitude. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Go with a glorious week. You are the church. Prayer team, would you please come up? If you need help, please come up and receive prayer. Love you all. We'll see you next week.
0: much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash imn. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.